Welcome to the Entrepastors Podcast. This show helps pastors think, act, and thrive as prosperous entrepreneurs. And now, here are your hosts, Les Hughes and John Sanders. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Entre Pastors Podcast. My name is John Sanders. I'm here with my co-host, Les Hughes. Les, tell me something awesome today, man. Well, what's awesome, John, is it is springtime in my neck of the woods. And, and every, t- every time spring comes around, I remember this line from a poet that I heard that said, spring has sprung, fall has fell, summer is here, and it's hotter than usual. <laughs> so I just, every spring, oh. I think of that, man. I'm sorry. My fingers were just scrambling for the beeping <laughs> button here, Les. You got me real good with that one. Yeah, so no I was like, delay. Les, this is a show for pastors. We don't talk this way. <laughs> Oh, shoot. Well, it's South Dakota good, didn't get the memo, man, that spring has sprung. <laughs> so I'll let you know when we get that memo. So that's going to be a good day, though. We got a great, great show here. Absolutely. I cannot wait to introduce our um, audience to today's guest. And we have an incredible, exciting announcement to share that we have not really gone public with. But today on this podcast, we're going public. And we'll wait and reveal that inside of the interview, so we won't say it right here and right now. But tell us a little bit about the guests that we're going to be hearing from today, Les. David Hancock is the founder and CEO of Morgan James Publishing. Uh, In fact, last week, John, as I was on the phone with David, he said that they had just, just gotten word that at the time, Morgan James had the number one and number two um bestsellers on one of the wall street journal bestsellers lists. And I went and looked at them and there it was one and two Morgan James. Wow. And it, it was a certain category. I don't know if it was eBooks or what exactly it was, but uh, he was on cloud nine and, and really should be. So there's a, there's a lot of good things happening right now with Morgan James. Yeah, absolutely. And really specifically, this is for uh, really should be of interest to a pastor that might be curious about writing a book. I mean, we we think that this is a skill most pastors bring to the table anyway. We do a lot of writing as a part of our work and ministry as pastors. And so for, for a lot of pastors, it's not that uh, unthinkable that they would someday write and publish a book. And so really, that's what we're talking about with David Hancock. And then, like I say, we're going to be rolling out a really awesome announcement. And so uh, without any further ado, let's cut to this interview that we did with David Hancock. Check this out, guys. Well, David Hancock, I have been looking forward to this interview for weeks and weeks, I think months now. I've been looking forward to bringing you on the show and introducing you to our audience. So welcome to the show, my friend. It is such a privilege to be here, John. Thank you so much for having me. And Les, man, it's great to see you too. Good to see you, David. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on and talk for a few minutes here. Absolutely. I've got a passion for authors, a passion for entrepreneurs, and you guys are both. So I couldn't help but like you. Well, thanks, man. (laughs) You know, Les and I literally just finished up as we're recording this. We literally just finished up a little masterclass talking about the power of a mastermind and why you should join one. And, you know, this is just one example, David, like a relationship, a, a very key connection gets made uh, inside of a mastermind. Cause all three of us are in the same mastermind with Dan Miller and, 
Um, right. You know, so we meet you and you open the doors to some incredible things, not only for Les and myself, but for uh, our audience, many in our audience potentially. So, but we're getting way ahead of ourselves. We got to back up the train here, David, and let's just start <laughs> with, around, a, brother. yeah, let's start with a little bit of an introduction. If you don't mind introducing ourselves, you're not a pastor, right? So um, no, tell us pastor. a little bit about you and the work that you do in the world and we'll go from there. I'm honored. Uh, so I was born back in 19. Wait, you don't, not that far back, right? That's okay. a little far. You can go don't as far as you want, man. In the beginning, God created. <laughs> That's right. God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, so, yeah, I am the founder of Morgan James Publishing, um, an entrepreneurial publishing house that really focuses on the relationship and the process of how authors can leverage the power of their book to gain you know, influence with their readers. Because ultimately, we want to make sure we're writing good things, but we want to make sure our readers are using those things. And then from a from a business perspective, an entrepreneurial perspective, connecting with that reader, helping readers consume the content and engage with our content helps them, you know, serve their audience, serve their needs well. And uh, had a humble little idea about 20 years ago, almost 20 years ago, about what publishing should look like after have experiencing uh, going through and experiencing both traditional and self-publishing pros and cons of each, uh, I came to the table with a really good idea on how to blend the best of both worlds, and man, just had God's favor in every step of the way. That's incredible. And so you are kind of a hybrid, right? Mm-hmm. Like Morgan and James Publishing is kind of a hybrid model of the traditional publishing route and the self-publishing route. Is that a safe description? It's a safe description. In fact, Publishers Weekly, 150-year-old industry magazine, called us the first hybrid publisher to market. So we launched an entire industry. Wow. Today, they call us an unconventional traditional publisher. And that's both terrifying and exciting. <laughs> Terrified because I didn't want to be a traditional publisher, but exciting because of what that actually means for us today, which is really cool. So the unconventional side is, is I think, the reason why we're successful, you know, because we, we actually seek out and desire and have great relationships with our authors. We try to help them realize their goals. So just like Zig Ziglar have taught us over the years, the more you can help others realize their goals, the more goals you're going to receive yourself to get realized. Uh, but we do have um, exclusivity. You know, we only do 25 faith-based books a year. Uh, we've got phenomenal bookstore distribution. You know, books, you know, our titles can be bought at the local brick and mortar stores. And because of that distribution, we've had significant uh, impact on this on the bestseller list. We've been on the New York Times list over 29 times in our short history. Wow. We've been on the Wall Street Journal and the USA Today bestseller list over 80 times. In fact, we've been twice on the London Times. So we've got some really good distribution there. It certainly is a testament to our distribution, but really is a testament to the power of our authors creating conversations around their books. And we learn so much from them. Uh, but we even pay small advances like a typical publisher. And, and for those of you who might not know, an advance is exactly what it sounds like. It's where a publisher will advance you, loan you earnings uh, based on your future earnings. They'll give you a loan against your future earnings. But most publishers take that advance and they try to leverage the size of that advance to buy or take over your intellectual property. And this is where our unconventional side starts is all of our authors retain complete control and ownership of their work. Because just like you guys, you know, entrepreneurs end up leveraging that content for multiple purposes. And they don't need to be going and getting permission from their publisher to use it. Don't need to be doing revenue share with their publishers on things that don't relate to the book, in my opinion. So that's the beginning of our unconventional side. And we all make all of our decisions mm-hmm. together with the authors, looking at the brand, the big picture, how to monetize it, how to create real change, you know, with the readers. Um, yeah, don't we don't charge any fees for what we do as a publisher? Because sometimes when you're different, people often wonder, well, what else is weird about you? 
so we just hand select some great authors and serve them well, hopefully. And if they're successful, we're successful. Yeah. I forgot what the question was, John, but man, no, you're, 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 you're doing great, man. You're, you're doing great. Yeah. And you're knocking out questions that I already wanted to get you talking about. Let's go here. One of the reasons that we wanted to introduce you to our audience, we've got a really big announcement we're going to make with you on the show today. But before we get to that, um, I, the reason we wanted to introduce you to our audience is we believe many pastors are positioned well to write. I mean, it's not like we're that's an original thought with us. I mean, many pastors have been doing that long before us, but it's in our wheelhouse as pastors. We are thinkers, we're writers, we're speakers, we're communicators. And so for many pastors who are creating sermons on a regular basis, doing public speaking, it's a very natural flow to say, look, let me package a message in a way that goes far beyond the four walls of my church. Let me write a book. So I'm just going to ask a really open-ended question. You can go anywhere you want with it, but speak to that pastor out there that's never written a book. They might have some ideas of what a book could do for them. I mean, they they envision living a luxurious life as they hit the New York Times bestselling list or whatever, and all that's going to do for them. But what would you say to that pastor to give them a little dose of reality of what writing a book does, but also a dose of encouragement about why they should write a book? So I'm really giving you a direction to go anywhere you want with that. Oh man, I could go everywhere with that. That's a great lead-in question. So the the reality is, you know, pastors are prolific writers. And pastors, you know, more than most writers are really the ones that are led by God to make sure they're they're ministering to the audience where they need to be. Uh, but you're right, the limitations is typically the four walls. Now, fortunately, in recent years, pastors have opened up their, their services to online, via YouTube or podcasts. That's brilliant, but there's still a, a huge opportunity to expand that message outside of your city, your community, and, and the four walls. But there's a couple cool things about a book. And it's it's a, it really has to deal with just the psyche of the human being in, in 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 the audience or in the world, is that you know books allow such an amazing level of credibility, authority, and responsiveness in the eyes of people who see them. Uh, a pastor with and without a book are two entirely different people in the eyes of their fans and followers. Now I say fans, obviously God's the the one that we need to be the fan of, but you know what, you know what I'm right. talking about in this case. Mm-hmm. Um, people pay more attention to an authority in the space more so than they pay attention to an expert in the space, whether it's a pastor or whether it's a you know somebody they love and trust in in, in the other worlds, whether it's the financial market or you know, home construction, whatever. You know, there's a big difference between author and expert. And it's all about the authority the book brings, because as you guys know, you know, most of the world, and this has been um, written up in, in stats in, in the literary world for decades, if not longer, but most of the world want to write a book. Most mm. people want to write a book. Most don't, though. Yeah. And that's the beginning of the power of the book. So those that do start the book, few actually finish the book. Mm. The few that finish the book, an even smaller percentage of the books actually get published. And even still, only 1%, according to Publishers Weekly, which is the industry magazine for, for publishing, says less than 1% of all traditionally published books, you know, Thomas Nelson, Zondervan, HarperCollins, you, you name it, less than 1% of those books ever show up in a bookstore. So when they see somebody that not only has risen above and written a book, um, published a book, and getting into bookstores, and then are continuing to talk about it, because some authors that end up making it they think that the success doesn't happen fast enough or something doesn't go quite right, or they listen to some naysayers that are close to them. We can talk about that later. Uh, they get discouraged and it's no longer on their table, but the authors that are really leveraging the power of the book, creating real conversation, real action with the content and creating real change. 
they're the ones that people are just flocking to, to listen to, 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 to get their education from. So that's the power of the book. So you can transform immediately, especially when you're looking at a global market now, because every, every time the pastor turns on their video and streams it, their audience is no longer the community, it's the world. Mm. And there's, you know, what, 5,000 pastors in my community alone all doing it. So we need to stand out. You know, we need to make sure that the message that God's given us is, is being received to the people that need it. Uh, and the power of a book can, can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget where else I was going with that, but that was. Uh, no, that's all, that's all good. So I was uh, talking recently to someone who's um, Lord willing going to publish They're They're in the process of writing the book right now. And I was having this kind of conversation and guy's got a great heart. He's really wanting to bless other people. And um, so I asked the question, but what do you, what do you want? What's your purpose for this book? What do you want? And his very legitimate, sincere, answer was, I just want to bless other people. I want to minister to other people. And that's, and that's fine. But what I hear you saying, if, if you would speak to this a little bit um, more directly, is what I hear you saying is that it's okay for the author to have a strategy. In fact, it's preferable and wise for an author to have a strategy of what you want that book to do for you, for your ministry, for your life, and for your platform. Is that an accurate statement? Absolutely. And there's nothing wrong with the book serving two audiences, yourself and the readers that are going to benefit from it, because people want great content. We've always wanted great content. We're seeking great content. The Internet opened up to an, opened us all up to an entire world of instant access to great content. But as that content continues to grow and so much more of it's available, people are now resonating to not only still looking for content, content is king, there's a beautiful queen that's popping up right next to him now, and it's called that, um, that influencer mindset. Love it or hate it, people are looking for content, but now content that's connected with somebody that they can feel like they can have a relationship with, perceived or otherwise, somebody they can relate to, um, understand, feel like they're learning from an individual versus just words they can read on a page. And uh, those authors that are willing you know, to, to open themselves up for that perceived relationship uh, to help the readers consume the book end up living more fulfilled lives. But it's OK to be able to want to receive something back in advance. I mean, God wants us to take those talents and, and be able to spread those talents and do more with them. So writing a great book, a life changing book that somebody would just read once and put on the shelf truly has very little value to anybody. Mm. But the book that people will talk about, engage with you about, share the book, uh, that's where the, real val- where the real value is. And, of course, those readers want more. So that's why we work with a lot of pastors across mm-hmm. the country who literally publish this, their sermon series. You know, They'll take that three, four, six-week sermon and put it into a, to a book um, to make sure that that message can be received to as, as large an audience as possible. Well, hey, let's do this. If, if it's okay, let's get into some specifics because there, I can think of at least there's a broad spectrum here, but I can think of two extremes of uh, people that are interested in what we're talking about. One would be that person that maybe has a book in them. He's, he's got an, he or she has an idea, a concept, maybe even a, a, a folder that they're, that they're sticking articles and thoughts or, or sermon ideas, and they want that to turn that into a book. So, and, and I have some, I have these uh, conversations with people and they start talking about wanting to, wanting to write a book, but really what they're saying is they want to have written a book. <laughs> you know, they, they want, it's about like, I want to be a concert pianist. 
no, I, I, I want to be a concert pianist, but I want to do what, what it takes to get there, you know? Right, right. So I want you, if you would, they're, fortunately for a person that's on the go all the time, they're not, they're not the sit still look at it, start with a blank computer screen or a, or a legal pad type person. They, they want to have that, maybe that product, that, that credibility in their arsenal and they've got the wherewithal to do it, but they're just not, they're not going to sit into the chair that would kill them to spend hours looking at a computer screen, but there are some tools and there are some other ways to get that done that might not have been as accessible a few years ago. And then, but then on the other end of the spectrum, David, there's that person that has that manuscript in their hand and for whatever, and it, but it hadn't been born. It hadn't been birthed all the way yet. So what are their next steps to, to get in front of a, a publisher or, go to an editor or do another draft. I mean, you, you can kind of take it from there. So Les, you know me well. So I'm good with maybe one or two questions, but you may have to remind me what the second question was because I get excited <laughs> about the first one. Um, so I have not, I have yet mm. to meet a pastor who isn't working on a book. I mean, I mean yeah. seriously, I've never talked yeah. to a pastor that didn't have the desire to put a book together or hasn't started that folder that is you know full of things they wanted to write a book on. So you know, it's, it's definitely in, in your nature as a pastor to, to want to do that. The biggest advice I've got for that person is to just do it, but don't think about the book. The book will overwhelm you and you'll never start or never finish. That's think good. about, think about the talk that you and I are having and you really kind of want to start with an outline. Okay. So we got together today. We wanted to make sure we covered these eight to 12 things before I ran out of the door screaming. Right. So of those eight to 12 things, you just write them down and then, at each one of those eight to 12 things, you want to jot down three to five things that you really want to make sure that you to get the message across before we move on. So next thing you know, you've got a great outline of where you want to be and don't stress over that. And then you just write as you're led, you fill in the places, you maybe pull a, a sermon you gave and put it into that outline. You just write for five to 10 to 15 minutes on each one of those little topics and don't let, don't think about the book. Um, a great editor could always come in and reorganize that thing or make sure that it sounds really good. You just write to the various topics as if you were having a conversation, you know, with your best friend, your target audience, you know, you know, somebody like that, and you'll eliminate the stress and you'll have a better chance of finishing the book. Another thing um, that's good really across any conversation that we might have about writing is, is what I always tell authors in, in my book, guerrilla marketing for writers, um, is the best time to start marketing your book, which is a scary word. Bear with me. The best time to start marketing the book is the moment you decide to write it for so many reasons. One is your audience will hold you accountable to finishing the book. So confess it. <laughs> I want to write a book. I feel led to share this story. I feel led to make sure people understand this. Don't sell anything. Just share that wisdom. And then bring people along this path with you. Because you know, though, though we always think being an author is a solo entrepreneurial venture, it's not. These authors, the most successful authors, are bringing in value from their audience, bringing in relationships from their peers, their mentors, or mastermind people to help them finish the book hone the book in the right way, and then bringing great editors in to make sure they sound as good as possible. Because I'm a pretty crappy writer, if I can say that on this podcast, but I've got great editors. Um, But if you start sharing that wisdom, you will finish the book. Um, And then the person that's got it. So the person that's got got it in their hand, also same thing. If you haven't started talking about wanting to do a book, start talking now. (laughs) And we can talk about more later if you want to about 
a couple of bridges you have to cross mm -hmm. to make that book a success between now and, and that time that you release the mm -hmm. book. But if you've got the book in hand, you've just got to be willing to let it go, you know, share it with somebody, um, you know, you'd be surprised how, how close we are connected to anybody that we need on the planet. You know, the whole six degrees separation from Kevin Bacon, you know, is, is true, <laughs> yeah. but it's more like two and a half degrees right now. Oh, um, yeah. So, you know, you know, somebody that's gotten published, I'm sure, you know, somebody that knows a publisher, heck, you might even know a publisher, you know, so there's, there's ways to get it connected, but you got to be willing to share. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, the book has got to be good. It doesn't have to be perfect at this stage, but it's got to be good. But there also needs to be a clear message for you know the reader. What's in it for somebody else? Uh, but the biggest thing is just to be bold and step forward and, and share that. You're going to get rejections. Heck, that's life. Welcome to it. Uh, publishing is no different. But if you're persistent and you've got a great message and you you keep pressing forward, you'll you'll find the right place for it. Yeah, that's yeah. good. One thing, well, I got a couple thoughts there. So I'm gonna I'm gonna push back. Are you good if I give you a little pushback here, Dave, on something? Yes, but hold that thought because there's one point that I think Les wanted me to say is is that um, those of us who who might be crappy writers, who might be intimidated with this the starting of the writing book, or not necessarily happy how it's coming together. You don't have to do it yourself. I've I've worked with some great people in the past who got the outline knew what they wanted to share, didn't have time to type it out or weren't comfortable with their own skills on writing out the manuscript, but had the ability to do an interview with somebody, share verbally the message they want. And somebody just type, takes it down and turns it into a book. Or if you're really clear on your message, there are so many amazing ghostwriters who can actually listen to you, understand what your message is and take your words and put them into paper so that you can go through it with them when they're finishing it. And it doesn't have to be you entirely. Most of my books were written with a co-author where I shared that responsibility and certainly made it a whole lot easier. But I have started working with ghostwriters now who have just taken my busy schedule and spend 15, 20 minutes with me on the phone about each topic that I wanted to cover. And they go write what's in my head. So don't there's there's a way to overcome any stress or obstacle that might be in front of you. And certainly that might be one of them. That's so good. My pushback that I referenced a minute ago, David, is uh, I had heard one time that one of the dangers of the authors doing what you suggested early in the process of putting it out to the world, hey, I'm writing a book. And I actually experienced this to some degree years ago when I finally, the day I actually started writing my book, I put it on Facebook and it it, it, it did so much of what you said. It kind of had that accountability built in. But the thing that, that I've heard about that is you can get a false sense of of, you know, acclamation from people going good for you. And so you kind of get all those little perks and you kind of start feeling like, well, maybe I don't need to write the book now. Cause everybody said I did it. You know, there's, they, they gave me all the nice words on Facebook. Um, and so I just, I wonder about that. Like, what would you say to that author that gets that uh, affirmation people going, that's great, but they're still there sitting, looking at an outline or a, a blank screen. Like how do they push through that, uh, that ceiling of people's praise for the work that they have not yet done, even though they've declared they're going to do it. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. It can be a scary position, uh, but hopefully that motivation and that affirmation will help them figure it out. But again, just as I just mentioned, you know, on Lester's question, don't feel that being an author means you have to do it by yourself. Yeah. Don't hesitate to bring in a co-author. Don't hesitate to bring in a great editor or a, you know, a good ghostwriter, you know, to help you finish that passion. It's okay. It's, it's still your book. It's still your message your heart, um, your desire to change the world, it's, it's okay to bring some help. There's not a single successful business on the planet that did it entirely by themselves. Yeah. Um, so that's that's kind of what, what I would say. In fact, one of the, one of the things that I'll, I'll give you a great example. I wrote a book um, 
early in my, I say early, but probably 2007, 2008, I don't know, somewhere around there. And it's called The Entrepreneurial Author. It's all about the business mindset behind a book. Phenomenal book. But for me, it was clunky. I was having a hard time finishing it. I was just stumbling over my words. I kept giving credit to my mentors, specifically Jay Conrad Levinson, because basically what I did was I was taking my guerrilla marketing training over the years and I was spinning it. Now, how did I make this a success for me as an author and how I want to make sure other people understand that guerrilla marketing and writing go together? Um, and I just kept giving praise to Jay. You know, Jay Levinson said this, Jay Levinson taught me this, guerrilla marketing this, guerrilla marketing that. It just was clunky. So I, I kept hitting barriers, not unlike the barrier you, you mentioned, just different. It wasn't until I finally said, I called up Jay and said, Jay, you got to go on with me as a co-author. And it's okay to ask for help. Mm. In some cases, it worked. He said, yes. <laughs> so we ended up writing that. And we had already co-authored books in the past, but you know, I was trying to try this book to be me, but it wasn't about me. It was about the message. Having Jay come on just helped me clean up the message, take ownership for what I was doing and his, his endorsement by being a part of it. We knocked it out you know, in less than a year. I had, I had tried to write that book for six years. Very frustrating, <laughs> but it wasn't until I realized I didn't have to do it by myself and I didn't have to uh, always give credit from my mentors and people who teach me is things that I'm, I'm using and taking ownership for myself that made it who, who I was or who I am today. And just having him come on as, as help satisfied that, wow. that problem. So there's always a way to bust through it. It's going to happen. There's a way. And this is why they listen to great podcasts like this to kind of break those barriers, get the encouragement they need, understanding that they're not the only person who's hit this wall and they can get past it. Yeah, that's good. So now I want to take you to the other end of that spectrum. It's that author that has a, a book. It, the, it's pretty well done. I mean, it's ready to now move on to the next phase, but they've paused on it. And I, when you when I heard you describing that to Les earlier, I was thinking, well, what would cause somebody to do that? And my mind went right to maybe, I don't know if it's a fear or a perfectionism, or I felt this as a published author, um, the the vulnerability. When it comes time to actually put your message out, like it's one thing to write it. It's another thing to let other people read it and see it. And uh, there's, a, there's a sense of vulnerability. I'm curious, what would you say to that pastor or that author that's kind of stuck there going, man, I just don't know. It's that imposter syndrome that's creeping in. Have you seen that before in the authors you've worked with? Absolutely. Specifically pastors too. Um, it, a lot of it may be perfect in, uh, perfectionism. Sure. And there's a, there's a level of you want to make sure that you've got a good quality product, of course. But how many times have you rewritten your sermon before Sunday? How many times have you gone back and go, oh man, I could have said it so much better. It's just, it's the nature of, of humans, but it's definitely the nature of pastors because you're doing it so intently and you're doing it in such a short period of time that there's always a different way to say it. You'll never stop rewriting it if you let yourself. So um, the best way to get past that is to understand that it just needs to be good enough that people understand what you're trying to do and move them down the line. And sometimes bringing in an expert um, editor, maybe even a content editor, just to give you that affirmation that it is good let's move on. <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a way to save things for future editions, hmm. but oftentimes just finishing your thought and moving on is really all need, all you need to do. I'm not as proud of my first book as I am of my 15th book. Uh, but you know, we, there's, there's a point, there comes a point where you're, you're getting your message across and you're being real and you really care, but you do need to move on. And it's yeah. a hard place to be. But again, if you're trying to figure it out yourself, you never get past it. But this is why they, they listen to people like you. Yeah, so good. 
I, we're going to run out of time. There's so much I want to, and we're not out of time yet. I'm just trying to be thoughtful of that because there's so much I want to get to yet with you, uh, David, on this. But one more question, then I'm going to turn it back to Les, and we'll, we'll make a big announcement. You and you and him can really roll this out, uh, What some exciting news coming in the future for us. But here's a, another question. This is just in the you know practical, in the weeds type stuff. When earlier this year, uh, Les and I were talking with you about our desire. We are writing a book this year that, Lord willing, will make its way into the into the public eye. And Amen. you mentioned this word, if I remember right, you said, write it airy. You said, make it an airy book. And, and then there was a phrase I can't exactly remember, but it was this idea of getting people to leave the book to go engage outside of the book. And I guess the big point I really want to draw out and have you speak to is this idea that a book is just one part of a broader message. I mean, it's okay to write a book and put it out there, but if you have this thought of once you do this, the speaking tour is going to open up and all of this stuff, like maybe not like that. This book is one part of a larger story. So do you mind just riffing on that for a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So today we're in a completely different mindset as, as readers, as consumers than we were even 15 years ago. Um, so those, those rules, I said, content is king, but yet now they're looking for a relationship with the person creating the content. That's true now, still more than ever. But um, long gone are the days that people are looking for three, 400 page books that are just full of content, just paragraph after paragraph after paragraph. They're hard to read. Today, we're almost at hieroglyphics. You know, we're looking for short content. We're looking for more affordable books. We want to skim through the books. We want to get in, get out, find what we need. So today, you know, we're looking at 200 pages as the new norm, you know, that 40 to 60,000 words um, and a lot, a lot of air, meaning that they can skim through it and find what they're looking for. We rarely pick up a book and read from page one anymore. We go and find out where's my, where's my current pain point? You know, what is this particular author sharing that really benefits me? So they'll skim through the table of contents. So the table of contents is really a bulleted sales letter of what's inside the book. And then as they're breezing through the book, they've only got seconds that they'll give you as an author. They're looking for that one word, that one phrase that will stand out. So short paragraphs, I mean, like throw your Chicago manual style out the window, be yourself, but break it up. Lots of subheadings, lots of headings. Heck, I even like call outs where you kind of, less will say something brilliant in the text, but then you kind of bring attention to it by bringing it into a little larger box and said, hey, let's just said this, you know, or sidebars where you kind of pause inside the book and say, let me, let me go a little deeper and kind of finish the, a thought or share a case study or a story or an example from scripture or something, and then bring them back to the content of the book. Mm. Things that they can go through and stop. And once they stop and start reading, once they still, once they feel compelled to go back a little bit and do it again and go back again, do a little bit, that's when you've got them. But it's, it's an entire process. The emotion of the cover, subconscious as it is, the clear title to kind of catch their attention, the subtitle gives them the premise of the book, but the only purpose of those two things is to get them to the back cover. The back cover hopefully gives them enough information that they want to skim the table of contents and then find that it's a, it's a process, hmm. but it, it does need to be completely different than the books we were reading years ago. And you're right. We want them to leave the book and go engage with you as that authority online to help them consume the book. Because hmm. according to Publishers Weekly, 70% of the bookstore buyers only complete 30% of the books. So if you can get them out of the book, create a relationship with them, help them consume the book, help them finish the content, implement it in their lives, make real change, 
then that's where the real opportunity happens. That's where the real relationships and, and longer benefit with that reader can happen with you. But that's when real change can happen in the space when people are actually talking about the deep content in your book and creating action from it. So we always look for multiple ways to get them out of the book and into your world, whether it's uh, to offer them something that the publisher didn't let you say in the book, tongue in cheek, or, or get to the website to get the top 10 things you need to have in your next sermon, or, you know, or just some sort of ethical bribe, if you will, to leave the book. Heck, as a publishing house, we even, we even help authors with that whole concept. So um, anybody that buys a Morgan James book can get a ebook edition for free. Oh wow. And and what that does is it, it enables them to leave the book and get that ebook edition so they can take it on the airplane with them. Uh, but we capture their name and their primary email address in the process and we give them to you as authors so that you can nurture them with the emails that help them consume the book or help engage them even further. So it's a awesome. it's a very important process. I love it. That is, that's that's a great, great idea. <clears throat> well we do want to make a special announcement and uh, but before we do that when we're, we're also going to go backstage in just a few minutes and you're going to be sharing something that is really important to, to any author, especially as they're um, wanting to have a relationship with that publisher. And that is some, some kind of from a publisher's perspective, some secret ingredients to a, a book proposal that'll actually get looked at. There's probably a better way to say that. How would you say it? Now, you said it good. You know, the, the secret is to get uh, engagement with your book proposal and hopefully that that interview with the publisher. Uh, and there are a few secret trips that I will share that have made you know, me most responsive to the thousands and thousands of proposals that we get every year. Again, like I said, we right. only publish 25 faith-based books a year. Yeah. It's a lot of, a lot of babies to kiss before, mm-hmm. before you find out that right one. Yeah, <laughs> That's I can't right. wait. All right, well, We'll get to the backstage in just a minute. So before we before we do the announcement, though, I do want you to talk about your book and when it's going to be released, because we're coming up on that like right around the corner. Well, I'm honored. I certainly that wasn't expected. I came here to serve you guys, but I'm grateful for the opportunity. So I'm I'm a, I'm, I'm blessed. I'm the co-author of this book, Performance Driven Thinking, hit the Wall Street Journalist when it came out. Um, phenomenal book about the mindset of performers. Why Why do you see some people seem to do better, uh, earn more, reach a larger audience, achieve those goals more so than others? And it really is a great mindset about coming to work uh, every day, whether you, you're writing you know, sermons or, or you're digging ditches, there's a mindset because every day um, performance is not an option. You're either going to perform well or you're going to perform poorly. So it did phenomenally well. The concept of these books have been good. So it's led us to create other books in the series. And the next one is called Performance Driven Giving. Mm. It's all about the philanthropy side of business and giving and absolutely directly related um, to our, our, our teachings in the Bible, you know, not only from, um, from our tithing perspective, from, from a personal perspective to the tithing mindset of companies, uh, but also the power that it creates, the opportunity that it creates, uh, the challenge that the Lord's given us to do so, and then how to take advantage of uh, some of the doors that can open because you're of a giving mindset. And in the book, we give great content, great examples, but I also bring in some of the world's largest CEOs to talk about their uh, experience with giving, as well as some of the world's best nonprofits, including Habitat for Humanity and others that are on the, on the receiving end of that giving. So it's a phenomenal book, Performance Driven Giving, that will mm. be in stores May 10th. 2022. Awesome. I can't right. wait. We look, <clears throat> we look forward to reading it. 
and uh, actually I've already gotten a look at it and it's awesome. <laughs> so uh, we look forward to being able to share that with other people and hopefully you can come back on the podcast later and talk more about Absolutely. the contents of that. Yeah. All right. Now hey, for our special announcement. Joe Rogan does three hour podcast. Can we just keep going? I mean, we can, I got two more hours <laughs> yeah. in me. Let's go. Yeah. This so is I, good I, stuff for sure. I have a gift. If I can give your audience a gift and you can edit this out if you don't want to, but you can get a copy of performance driven giving for free. If you go to performance driven book.com and right. then it'll automatically be on my list to let you know when the giving book comes out. Uh, so great. I'm going to give you something. So I can sell you something later. That's okay. That's I love it. I love <laughs> it. it is. That's okay. That's a good trade. We'll put that in the show notes as well. So thank you for that. And today the announcement is that we are uh, kicking off an officially drum roll. Yeah, drum roll. We're officially launching Entree Pastors Press. So Entree Pastors Press. We're going to come alongside of pastors who have a dream of of launching and, and publishing a book and uh, help them make that happen with, of course, the help of Morgan James. So we're actually going to be an imprint of Morgan James Publishing. So if you would, David, would you just take a minute and uh, explain what it means to be an imprint? I can bring the dogs back in to explain. It. Who let the dogs Dude, the out. timing was great. They came in to celebrate right Perfect. when Les made yeah. the announcement that you can't blame a dog for being excited about this stuff. This is great. I know, right? So I, I am honored to, to be a part of this announcement, also be a part of the process. Uh, Entree Pastors Press just made sense for what you guys are doing. You're serving you know, the pastoral market very, very well, helping uh, pastors understand the, the business behind the, uh, the, all the things that, that pastors do, even as they're in ministry still or they're you know, taking that step out of ministry. Uh, there's a way to still serve God and serve the people uh, while facilitating opportunities to take um, uh, a blessing to you as well as a blessing for them. Wow. So those of you who might not be familiar with a, an imprint mindset is if you walk into any library or bookstore, close your eyes, reach out for the shelf. There's a 70% chance that you grab a book that was published under an imprint of a larger house. Originally, it was um, uh, created because publishers kept buying each other <laughs> and they liked that initial brand, you know, but it was also because they carved out a niche that they wanted to focus on. So a great example uh, would be something like um, The Idiot's Guide. Now, I'm sure, John, unless you've read those books, pun intended. Absolutely. Yes. That's how I got through school. It really doesn't mind. That's right. So the Idiot's Guide is a is a uh, imprint of Penguin. The uh, the Dummies books again. I've read those myself. Uh, is an imprint of Wiley, uh, and then there's others. Um, you know, heck, even now Zondervan and uh, Thomas Nelson are now imprints of Harper Collins because Harper bought them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what we've done in our in our space in the publishing world is we've established strategically a handful of imprints that were for specific reasons. And Entree Pastors Press just fits perfect because we love entrepreneurs. We love uh, the word of God. We love people getting ministered to the proper space, but we love the entrepreneurial side of that as well. And you guys fit that perfectly. Mm -hmm. So the idea with Entrepreneur Pastors uh, Press is to facilitate uh, their word, their message, their mission, getting out to a broader scale, allowing that credibility, that opportunity, that reach uh, to a larger audience, but to be in bookstores serve an opportunity and create real businesses around their content uh, as they continue to serve the Lord. Love that. That's so exciting. Well said. Yep. And we are so excited as well, David. So thank you so much for man, the opportunity and for the partnership and, and the friendship and for believing in, in our community. Yeah. Uh, and I, I know that you do. So John, I think 
that'll get that. We'll just kick it back to you, man. Well, let me just wrap up with this last question before we head to the backstage portion. Uh, David, if someone wanted to reach out to and connect with you or find out more about what you're doing, where would they go to, to connect? Well, I tend to be everywhere. Um, so I certainly can be found at morganjamespublishing.com. I'm on social media as uh, David Hancock or David L. Hancock if you're on Instagram. Um, and also, certainly, if you get a copy of my uh, my book or any of my books, there's ways to reach out to, the, to me there as well. I look forward to that potential relationship. I thrive on connection, and I love serving others. So feel free to reach out. But Fantastic. I also love being introduced to people because of you guys. So thank you. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, this has been awesome, David. Thank you so much for your time and all the best as you continue to serve authors in the role that uh, you serve them in. So keep going, man. Thank you. It's an honor. It's been an honor, guys. Well, there you go. Good stuff from David Hancock, man. That's an exciting announcement, Les. Entree Pastors Press. I'm pretty pumped about that. How about you? Absolutely. And what's exciting is we've already got some works that are in the pipeline we have uh, at least one, probably by the time this airs, a couple of authors that have actually pastor slash authors that actually have offers already and, and things in the works. In addition to that, John, um, we are also authoring a book right now together, you and I. That's awesome. And that'll be, uh, that'll be coming out in the near future. Uh, more on that later. Right now, we just want to celebrate this win. Yeah, this is so much fun, man. Uh, and and again, as we said at the beginning of the show, really something that we think a lot of pastors should give uh, some consideration to because it's just a natural fit for those, especially those going down that informational-based pathway where they're taking a message and monetizing it and serving people, getting it out into the world. A book is a great part of that overall strategy. So by the way, for those of you that are backstage subscribers and, and also part of our membership community, stick around because in just a few minutes, you're going to hear David in our backstage portion of this podcast, talk about some secrets to writing a great book proposal that will help get you noticed and accepted by a major publisher such as Morgan and James Publishing through the Andre Pastors Press imprint. So one last thing we want to talk about here, Les, is that coming up on March 17th, we have got a masterclass that we're offering. Uh, each month in this year, we're, Lord willing, going to be offering some kind of a webinar or masterclass. And this year, in, in this month, in keeping with that theme of writing a book, we're going to have a masterclass by the title, Should I Write a Book? And Les, you're really going to be taking us on a deep dive down this road. Tell us a little bit about what people can expect if they jump in this masterclass. Yeah, well, we'll talk about how to take that message that you have or, or that book that you have inside of you and uh, how to birth it, you know, and how to, how to get it out there. But there's, there's a whole lot more to that process. As a matter of fact, what a book publisher would tell you is that the most important thing about having a book as a part of your platform or message, ironically, is not the contents of the book. Mm. You know, that's that's certainly important, but there is so much more to that. One of the important uh, factors is just getting that book seen, which is why that proposal is so important. So we'll we'll talk about in that uh, webinar how to do a how to put together a proposal how to build a book before you write the book. Mm. Uh, that's a cure for writer's block. A lot of people receive uh, undergo writer's block because they don't have a plan for writing the book. They just start at page one and want to go through and finish it. That's not how you write a book. Yeah. You, you, you build it first 
and then you write it. So those are some of the things we'll cover. That's awesome. And this is a free masterclass, correct? There's no cost to yep. participate no. in this. If That's you right. want to get registered, just go to entrepastors.com slash masterclass. Get signed up for that. And uh, we, we believe that there's going to be many, many pastors in the days ahead that are writing books through the Entree Pastors Press and getting them published through Morgan and James and getting them out into the world. So we're super excited about that. So again, join us, entrepastors.com slash masterclass. We'll look forward to seeing you on that call here in a few weeks. So Les, before we sign off, maybe just make one last call to those that might be interested or maybe they have never thought of leaving a rating and review to this show. Why would we invite them to do that other than just you and I love to hear words of affirmation <laughs> about how great we are? What, uh, why else could we use that from our audience? It just helps us get our message out. It helps other people know that there's value to the things that we uh, share and say on this show and the guests that we have. And so uh, any way we can grow that message we're all for, and that helps us. Absolutely. So we would be so thankful if you'd leave a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you uh, consume your podcast. We'd be thankful for that. So God bless everyone. Thanks for listening in. We'll talk to you next week. Take care.